recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 389. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me I have my co-host, John White. John, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Doing a little bit scruffy because I'm not customer-facing today. Ah, uh, well, well, it's glad to have you in the room. Uh, we had some, some problems last week. We missed our podcast because of the fun of working with TalkShoe. Uh, but this year, this, this week, everything seems to be going pretty smooth. Nice, nice. Yeah, nice to have you. On the show today, we have uh, Mike Foley, Senior Technical Marketing Architect uh, for the Products Business Unit. Uh, he's going to be talking about vSphere 6.5 hardening. So Mike's on the call, and we'll get to him in a bit. But before we do that, maybe we can just get to some quick news before we talk about hardening with Mike. Uh, so a couple of things. Corey, uh, I know that you're working on blogger passes. Why don't you give us an update? I am. So, uh, Eric, I'm wrapping up blog wrapping up blogger passes today and actually have already sent out emails for U.S. and halfway through Europe emails. So if you apply for blogger passes, uh, while I check your email, you should have it in the next 30 minutes to latest. Great, great. Okay, good. Uh, stay tuned for that. I know that's, there's a lot of that going on. Um, other thing that's happening, V Brown Bag. We invited V Brown Bag back to the community area at VMworld this, this year. And another thing we're doing is we're going to be doing a call for papers earlier this year to try to get uh, papers from the community into Schedule Builder. So we've got a commitment from the VMworld team to put things into Schedule Builder this year. So we'll be doing a call for papers, so for watch out for that. And speaking of passes, uh, Corey, uh, if you don't make your uh, blogger pass, uh, you, ha you might have a chance of doing a brown bag presentation at the VMTN community booth, and we will have passes to give out for some of those talks as well. So look for that call out. So you have a couple ways of getting your passes for VMworld. One is a main technical session pass. Uh, we, we, give out brown, uh, we give out blogger passes, and now we are going to give some VMTN community tech talk passes for people that do V brown bag presentations. So watch for that. Um, Mike? I know we got to do a shout out for you. You're going to be at the Boster User Con next week. Are you doing a presentation, Boston. or are you just going to be there? Uh, I Boston. will be presenting Boston. on yeah the Boston VMUG. Uh, I live Boston. about 65 miles west of Boston, so it's to drive in. Um, yeah, so I'll be there. I'm doing a session on vSphere 6.5 security and uh, all the cool things that we've added. Nice, nice. Okay, great. Uh, people. On the Eastern Seaboard, you want to drive up and uh, meet Mike in person. He'll be at the Boston, Boston UserCon. That sounds fun. We're going to have a developer festival at VMworld this year. We're going to get ready to announce that. So the hackathon will be going on. So pay attention to that if you're interested in the hackathon with Alan Renouf, uh, William Lamb, and others. We're going to be doing that again, but we're also going to have festival stuff for developers going on throughout the rest of the week and maybe have some big speakers at, on Thursday come in to talk about some of the things around cloud-native, serverless computing, uh, DevOps, APIs for DevOps, and so forth. So that should be interesting. And then the last thing that I have from a news perspective, uh, early bird for VMworld ends June 12th, midnight. So if you you're interested in coming to VMworld and you want to get in early, you do save some money you know, using the early bird uh, purchase. So go go make that happen before it's too late. We're in Vegas this year. Again, VMworld.com has all the details.
details. Uh, go get yourself registered before early bird ends. So that's where we're at there. Uh, any other news by, from anybody? Did we miss news from last week, Ben, because of the crash? Um, we did miss news from last week, but that was last week. Does anybody know some news from last week? <laughs> I think uh, there was the acquisition of Aptelligent. Um, so okay. VMware acquired Aptelligent. Um, I guess uh, I want to say in the last 10 days. And they do um, mobile application performance monitoring. So that's interesting to see uh, whether that comes to the end-user computing portfolio, maybe to the mobility and, uh, and maybe complement some of the AirWatch stuff we're doing. Um, I think that we talked about the Wavefront acquisition the week before that. Um, right, and we're going to have Bill Roth on the show right. next week to talk all about the Wavefront acquisition. Ooh, exciting, exciting. Yep. Great. And then I think that there was also a, an announcement that we're going to do um, Horizon Cloud, which is our cloud offering of end-user computing, uh, on top of uh, Azure. There's a, I think it's a tech preview right now, so there's no set um, date that we're going to deliver that on, but uh, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to see that, that we're, um, we have a, um, an offering, a cloud offering in AWS, VMware Cloud on AWS coming up, and then a different, slightly different offering on Azure too. Yeah, and it makes sense in this standpoint of, you know, Microsoft's so heavy in the desktop space already, right, that doing an Azure-type offering makes a lot of sense with Microsoft being so competent in the desktop area. Absolutely. And, right, and I know there's stuff that we've announced with Google as well. So social trending has been Azure, Google, and AWS all in kind of a battle. Right, exactly. Yeah, so so that, that makes sense. Uh, so. Any other news? Anybody, any from anybody on the call that wanted to do a shout out to anybody? Uh, now would be the time. Uh, I want to shout out Andre Pett, who is our new community warrior this week. Congratulations! Oh yeah, all right, yes, uh, another another community warrior. I I've been told you get a badge, so you you do get a badge of recognition on VMTN uh, if you you're elected a VMTN warrior. So gr great, Katie, I love that program and. Um, shout out one more time. Who won this this time? It was Andre Pett. And if you want to you connect with him on BMTN, you can contact him with the at sign A dot P dot. Say that one more time. A dot A dot P dot. So A period okay. P period. A period P period. All right. Well, great. Congratulations. A great program, and we love all the people that are doing all the work on BMTN to answer questions and make everybody connected. So, great. Uh, anything else before we get on to the next piece, which is hardening? Going once. All right, well, Mike Foley, welcome to the show. I'm trying to remember if you've ever been on the show before, but uh, as always, we'll just do the standard once. Did you host the show? There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I've I did not the know show. I've been on about three or four times. Great, great. Back in the John Troyer day, I assume, below yeah. show somewhere around 280 is when uh, John left, right? Yep, something like that. All right, great. Um, well, why don't you give everybody that are new listeners just a, a, a quick introduction, who you are, how long have you been at VMware, and what are you working on? So uh, I work in the vSphere group. I am in the uh, specifically in uh, tech marketing. I'm a senior technical marketing architect, but my focus is primarily on vSphere security. Um, so not NSX, but the actual infrastructure of ESX 
Center and, and so forth. And I've been okay. at VMware for about four and a half years now. All right, good, good. Um, so we're, we're talking about hardening today. I know that there has been a blog that you put out uh, on the vSphere blog. So you can go to blogs.vmware.com slash vSphere. And there's an article uh, that you put out. It's, it's a standard blog that we've done year over year uh, on vSphere 6.5 security configuration guide hardening. You can go look for that one. Um, I know that this, this uh, what is, maybe we should start is, why don't you give us a rundown on what is hardening and, um, I know before we called it hardening, maybe it was, uh, or you're changing names. Why don't you give us a little update on uh, what is hardening and uh, what is this document about? Yep, well, with 6.5, we actually changed the name of the hardening guide to the vSphere Security Configuration Guide. And the reason being is that uh, it's less about hardening as much as it is about security configuration. And we are uh, rapidly moving towards a uh, secure by default setup. Um, looks like my audio might be a little crackly. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, it's, about that. it's not bad. It's just it's just a little pausey. I'm not sure why. Are you coming in on Skype for business, or are you just dialing directly no. in? No, I dial directly in. Directly in. Okay, good to, good feedback. So we'll go on. It's not it's not horrendous, but uh, we're going to have to debug why we've seen. This kind of thing with TalkShoe in the last in the last couple weeks, where we've seen various guests dial in, and we're getting a little bit of a crackly audio, but not too bad. Yeah. So I think we can go on. Okay. So yeah, um, in the past, uh, to to really kind of get a, a handle on this, you need to kind of understand what's changed in the industry in the past number of years. You know, uh, vSphere way back in the day, we had uh, ESX Classic, which had a Linux VM. And then we moved to ESXi, and we got rid of that Linux management VM, that console VM. And when we did that, the number of security things, uh, uh, reports, went down by some order of magnitude, somewhere on the order of like 90% less security issues. Oh, wow. But overall, for, for the hypervisor. And, yeah, and, 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 and is that because you know, the, the hypervisor got smaller? Um, or yeah. did they intentionally make it more secure? How did they accomplish that? Well, remember, remember that the, the service console in ESX Classic was a full Red Hat Linux-style virtual machine, mm, right, with right. all of the security issues that you get in any general purpose operating system. And by ditching all of that and going to ESXi, you've shrunk down that, number one, you've shrunk down the attack vectors. Number two, you, you don't have to manage all of those Linux security issues. Uh, and so everything just shrunk down to like you know, 300 megabytes or something like that. Um, made it a lot easier to, 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 to deal with. But what, what's really changed over the past few years is that security finally has started to become something in the, the whole virtual infrastructure. Four years ago, five years ago, if I wanted to do a talk on hypervisor security, um, you know, I'd be lucky to get 20 people in a room at a VMware, at a VMworld. 
And now, you know, I can do 600. And that is because the security people have finally kind of come out of their post-9-11 bunkers, looked around and realized that the whole data center has changed from underneath them. And they are still trying to catch up with the capabilities of the virtual infrastructure and trying to understand the virtual infrastructure. And if you look at the three different folks who are involved in security of a virtual infrastructure, it's the IT people, the networking people, and the security guys. And in the security side, there's two people. There's the people that are uh, very concerned about compliance, and then there are the people that are trying to stop bad people from doing bad things. And so if you look at the the three major um, types of conferences that they go to, you get the networking guys going to the networking conferences and talking about, you know, firewalls and so on and so forth. You get people going to RSA conference, and that has rapidly morphed into, in my opinion, more of a compliance sort of governance, risk, and compliance sort of conference. And uh, I say that having come from RSA. And then you talk to the IT guys, and they are under pressure from the security people to make it secure. And unfortunately, the IT guys really don't understand operations, right? They don't necessarily understand security at scale. So they'll say, you have to, you have to encrypt the VM within the virtual machine. Well, when you start talking about doing that at scale, now you're talking, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 security snowflakes at each one that I have to manage to make sure that encryption is working correctly on the on each virtual machine. Or in, six, in vSphere 6.5, I can just apply a policy and all the encryption is done at the hypervisor. So trying to educate the the security people that, Uh, the infrastructure can provide a whole bunch of security functionality at scale and then try to educate the IT guy to counter the demands of the security guy and say, hey, can we back this up just a, a little bit and say, tell me what problem you're trying to solve because there might be a different way to mitigate that particular threat. So based on all of that, over the past three or four years, we've really changed our focus to tighten everything down by default and then leave it up to the customer to loosen those controls if necessary. And this is a, you know, a multi-year sort of thing uh, that we do. Every release, we pre-tighten down stuff. And that has changed from the three or four or five years ago where everything was loose and you had to harden everything. Right. I, I can see where we might need to at some point have a, a vSphere loosening guide, right, if you're doing right. this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just makes, it makes sense to me, Mike. What you're saying is everything, if as much as possible, we can make everything secure out of the box and then have to have the users make um, conscious decisions to open doors and, and write exceptions maybe and document those exceptions as opposed to having to do things the other way around, then secure by default is, is just much better. 
right. for everybody all around. And, you know, the, the thing is, is for the past number of releases, um, it's already been in pretty good shape. I mean, vSphere ha- uh, has gone through common criteria security testing and has passed without any implementation of the previously mentioned hardening guides. Right? Um, oh, wow. What we're doing, what we're doing is uh, we're cleaning up a whole bunch of stuff and, and getting, getting it to the point where it's even that out of the box, it's already met all of those hardening guide requirements as much as possible. That is a change in, in posture and, and one for the better, I think. Yeah. So obviously, there's been a there's a change in focus, right? Uh, where you're 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 looking at a broader sense of security, right? It's more popular now. Uh, what's been added to the guide? Uh, do you have specifics on if I've already been using this guide and now we have six point five? Uh, do we have major things that we've that we've added? Um, in fact, there's there's stuff that's been removed. Right okay. um, and, on theme, and, like on theme. Yeah. So what 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 we're really focused on is um, what I, what I tried to to to. One of the questions I would always get from customers is, why don't you have it ter- uh, secure by default? Why isn't it secure out of the box? Well, it is secure out of the box because it passes common criteria. So that point is moot. But then they'll turn around and say, yeah, but there's all these hardening guide settings. And the vast majority of them are virtual machine settings. And the vast majority of those are what I call risk profile one settings, meaning uh, only the most absolute paranoid customer should probably be setting those. And then there's the the whole thing around what's a hardening setting and what's a site-specific setting, right? I can't, for example, preload the uh, value of your NTP server, I being VMware. VMware can't preload the value of your NTP server. That's something you have to do yourself because it's site-specific, right? Or there might be things that are set, we'll say like a password policy that our uh, security response team has said, this is VMware's password policy. This This is the default value that it has to go out as. But maybe it goes to the customer, and the customer says, yeah, well, that's great, but it, it's not my password policy. Okay, so that default value is good, but it doesn't meet your regulatory requirements, so you're going to have to change it. So all of those risk profile one um, settings for virtual machines came from uh, – the, the reason why they're there is because there are customers – especially in the three-letter agency level and finance and, and DOD and so forth, that say, if there is a setting, that there shall be a value. Right? And uh, okay. Yeah, and a lot of these settings might have come from previous generations of, of hypervisor products. We're talking like the GSX days and, and such that got, you know, just forklifted from one to the other and put into the ESX level stuff. And back then, no one was terribly concerned because there's no code touching those settings. Right. 
So what we did in 6.5 is I sat down with uh, some of the engineers, and we did this in 6.0, and we did this in 5.5. We go through and we audit every single setting. Uh, but for the, for the virtual machine settings, we sat down, uh, a couple of engineers and I, and we went through every single one while we had uh, on, the la on a, a laptop the code that each of those settings touched. And we could say, yep, that setting's a no-op. There's, there's nothing behind it. Um, but what we really want to do is make sure that that setting's default value matches, is what, matches what's in the hardening guide. And those sorts of changes didn't make it into 6.5. So that's why you will see that 35% of the guide contains settings that include all of those very paranoid risk profile one settings. Going forward, that may change. Change, you mean become the new default or change? May, will become the new default. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That's, that's our goal. Right. I want to get that 35% number down to like around 8 percent. And right. what that means is that's that 35 percent number is 24 settings. And out of those, uh, 18 are these risk profile one settings, settings that typical customers don't necessarily even need to, to set because they don't have a whole lot of code behind them, or most of them have no code behind them. Right. Um, Three of the settings are to set the default settings for the, uh, the standard virtual switch from accept to reject. That's not a, a major thing. You know, we're, we're not fixing gaping holes here, right? That, that's the point right. I really want to get across to folks is the hardening guide is not closing gaping holes. It's really more about security hygiene. Um, one, uh, one setting is to fix the BPDU setting. Uh, another one says apply patches, which is normal security hygiene. And then another one right. says um, disable TLS 1.0, which may or may not be something you're going to do in your data center, because if you disable it and you have third-party software that doesn't speak TLS 1.2, then they're not going to be able to talk to vCenter. So that's a that's a really more of a site-specific sort of thing. So that's what the hardening breakdown gets down to. Now, if I can fix all of those 18 risk profile one settings, now we're down to just six settings that qualify loosely as hardening. <laughs> wow. Right? So, I mean, it sounds like it, what you're doing is, is really going from like a, a finger-tight bolt to something that's really ratcheted down as opposed to, right. hey, you need you need to connect that with some bolts, right? So right. So yeah, what I'm what I'm trying to get to the point is of um, one of the other things I called a lot of the settings are um, audit settings. So that setting of, for example, if SSH is turned off by default on ESXi, if someone turns it on, that would be an auditable event, or in, or in security speak, that would be a finding. Mm. Right? So that's one of those, it's already secured by default, but if someone, now the hardening, the hardening guide setting or the security configuration setting is check these settings to make sure someone hasn't loosened the bolt. 
Right, right. And and tell us, like, I, I know that this is maybe outside of exactly what we were talking about in the hardening guide, but I noticed that in 6.5, like, the audit logs got, or our logging became almost audit quality. So yep. is that when we change these settings, are, are, are we reporting out the fact that this setting was changed and by whom and at what time? Oh, yeah. As opposed to just saying, oh, hey, something got changed. Yeah, the, I would say the vast majority of those settings are now being logged very clearly in the, in the security logs, right? Um, if you, matter of fact, and I'll give a plug here for Edward Haletke, he took Log Insight and created a content pack around security operations, and it's, uh, it's free from, from Edward. Just go to at TexIWill on Twitter. And we, we've talked about adding a number of the security configuration guide settings into this security operations content pack so that you would then be able to track a number of these settings. So, for example, someone enabling SSH on an ESX server is something that you want to be alerted on. Right or right. someone uh, someone changing the default value of a uh, the not the hardened value of reject on a standard switch to accept would be something that I would want to know about. Right, right. And then if we so continue it's, along, it's a major tool. change okay. from when I first joined VMware, and the you know I, it was my first week at VMware. And my boss, who had created the hardening guide years and years beforehand, dumped um, the 5.1 hardening guide on and said, make it all better. Right? <laughs> and, that was, and everything was being done in an Excel spreadsheet. Excel spreadsheets were getting passed around left and right. Um, you know, it, it, all, it, it really showed uh, that EMC connection where, uh, where EMC stands for Excel Managed Company. And uh, in six, in I think it was in five five, or no, it might have been in six zero. Yeah, it was in six zero. I ended up using SharePoint to manage everything, and that gave me the ability to track changes and assign stuff to people. And then at the end of the day, I just output the Excel. But yeah, right. it was it was crazy. There was really no no um, process around it, and. Things were getting missed and, and so forth. And, and what, I, what I like to tell people is prior to 6.0, the hardening guide was like a set of firewall rules. People would add stuff to the guide but never go back and, and audit it, any of those changes. And things like when we went through the 6.5 guide, there was one setting where one of the engineers went, we haven't done anything with that. That was all removed in like the 4.1 days or something like that, oh, you know? No. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. And it's like, why? You, what you don't want is to have things just continually grow and make the IT guy's life harder. Because what happens is the security guy walks into the IT guy, security guy's found the hardening guy, dumps it on the desk and says, you need to comply with that. And the hmm. hardening guide or security configuration guide now is not something that if you apply it, you're more secure. It's really there to foster a conversation between IT and security to say, here are the settings, what ones apply in our environment, what ones could be mitigated differently 
and you know, let's have a conversation. But instead, it's usually the compliance guy saying, "Thou must comply." Right? You know, they're 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 the Klingon walking in, going, "Comply." It doesn't really help anybody when we get to that state. I see a I see a, a future career for you after VMware, Mike, as a um virtualization security uh, therapist, right? You go into companies and foster <laughs> conversations. Oh, I'm already doing little, that. <laughs> there's a little therapy there. I have, I have a question. I'm, I'm, the, guy, I'm the guy that the field calls up and says, talk talk my, my customer security guy off the ledge. Right, right. Um, question for you is, are there, is anybody built an audit tool that can just go through and look at you know, my my vSphere you know servers go okay this one's good this one's not or do I have consistent policy across all of them um, have you seen any of that, that like how do I do when I have fifty or a hundred vSphere servers out there you know right. how do I how do I manage that and has anybody automated any of this or PowerCLI to go through and uh, when you talk about the tracking the the log changes how how does this come about is there a is there a, console that I go make these changes? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, there's a number of different tools. Uh, I'm going to try and look one up while I'm while I'm talking. Um, we used to have the, there's the a number compliance of different tools, tool, right? But that, that yeah, one of, one, of them is v, one of them is VROps, right? VROps okay. has the ability to check against the 5.5 and 6.0 hardening guides. Um, yeah. I don't know yet what their plans are for checking against 6.5. I'm assuming that will come in a future future version. That would be a future promise, which we can't make. Right. That was a joke. Right. Yeah. I, it, I, I don't also, talk if, to <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting that you mentioned VROPS because VROPS would be a, another uh, interesting tool in the chain if you're raising alerts in Log Insight to have that, you know, oh, hey, somebody changed this auditable setting, and I want to raise that as an alert, not just in Log Insight, but maybe in a dashboard in vRealize Operations. Um, yeah. The traffic light you know, goes the from all the, green to red, right? Yeah, the, the thing is, is that the um, security, security teams and IT teams I've been talking about being able to do that stuff for almost a decade. But as we all know, um, sometimes at VMware, we're way ahead of where the customer's at, right? And sometimes we'll come up with this really good idea and the customer just can't wrap their heads around it yet because their environment is behind where we're thinking. Right, we're think we're we try to think two steps ahead, and sometimes customers are two steps behind. So now you're really four steps away from each other. That's changing, and now when I talk to customers about um, security, I'm talking about security enablement. So I was one of the ones that helped get that whole logging stuff off the ground. Right. Um, I pushed very hard on the product manager at the time to say, we really need to be doing something better um, around logging because logging is atrocious. All I get is VM reconfigured. It doesn't tell me what or whatever. And he's like, 
Why would you want that? I said, so I can enable the downstream receiver of those logs to be able to act on stuff more intelligently. So while yeah, yeah. it's good that we get v VC events in syslog now, what really is interesting to me is what a tool like Log Insight or an, any number of the other uh, sysloggy type tools can do with that data. Right? So it used to be if I move the virtual machine from the PCI V switch to the non PCI V switch, all I would get is virtual machine reconfigured. Okay, is that is it important? Is you know, I have no context around the criticality of the log. Now with with six five logging, I get that, which means that data is in is in the is in the syslog that goes to log insight. Now I can create an alert in log insight that says, if a VM moves off of that P PCI V switch, go do something. Send that alert to um, to VROPS and make something go red. Uh, kick off a PowerShell script that. Or, or you know a webhook or something like that that then calls everybody who's concerned. So now now the message coming from Log Insight or Splunk or whatever says Mike Foley moved a VM from the PCI V switch to the non PCI V switch according to the rules that I've created. That VM has now been quarantined off the network. Ooh, so really bring in some other automation tools like maybe NSX. Oh yeah. Yeah, you could really start to see uh, security lifecycle management. But you couldn't do that unless you had good logs. So right. with the hardening guide, because they're making changes, because it might be making changes to settings on a VM or settings on a host, that data is coming across, and you could create a custom alert for maybe a particular hardening guide setting, you know, the SSH on being enabled on ESXi, where that information comes across, and now Log Insight can parse that information and then kick off yet another uh, custom uh, workflow to go do something, either turn SSH off or, uh, in the case of some other things, start um, notifying people. Right. So now what's happened is using this type of capability Let's say we have uh, an attacker hitting. I now start to get immediate alerts on weird things happening. Exactly. Enough red flags go up and people start paying attention. Right. Right. And if you can catch stuff much sooner, then you've shrunk that window of vulnerability down. We all know of the guy who who uh, you know, moves a virtual machine from one network to the other by mistake, uh, because misconfiguration is the biggest threat to security, moves a VM uh, to the wrong network by mistake, and it sits there for two or three months. Because no one is checking. Right. right? When, when you have software control over your whole data center, it brings a huge amount of capabilities to security, and that's where I start to educate the IT people to get them to go fight my battles with the security teams while I try and educate security teams on the other side. Right, so now we have this tool chain. We have the uh, security configuration guide which says this is how things probably should be, 
and make sure you have a conversation to make sure that you customize it to your your location and your site. And then we have auditable logs, audit quality logs that that let you figure out if things have drifted out of that uh, configuration that you set up um, for your site. And then maybe some tools to actually bring it back into compliance or to quarantine things if they've gone out of compliance um, with for mysterious reasons. Right. So I'm tr I'm, what I'm trying to do here is get the the all the pieces in line to start a security ecosystem. If I don't have the the really good logging, then I I can't make the follow-on products to do all of those things that we really want to do. And if right. I tried to do this four years ago, no one would have cared. Yeah, we can see that. Um, I, I got I to gotta ask, like, so in, in the market uh, now, the last couple of weeks, ransomware shows up. You know, obviously we, we have, you know, a, a lot of spin around that. And that's up at the OS level, right? So I, I guess the question for you, and this is kind of up-leveling the conversation a little bit, is what, what is the risk factor when it comes to targeting ESX to get a hold of the VM, right? Uh, have we seen a lot of this, or is this kind of a vulnerability that that is out there that we need to lock down, but, you know, what's, what's the rarity of uh, attacks at this level? Do you have any visibility on whether this has been a problem for, for data centers in the past, or is this just good practice, and what are your thoughts? So, I are you bringing up the dreaded VM escape scenario? Ding, 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 ding. I think that you have an automated uh, automated posting on your Twitter for that. I guess I should first ask, are we allowed to talk about this stuff? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about it uh, to the extent that I will talk about it. Um, right. Well, first, you'd want to go to vmescape.com. I uh, was getting so many, um, so many emails, so many requests to talk to, to customer security teams, so many requests to, to talk to customer security team off the ledge. They think VM Escape is the biggest threat to you know world peace, uh, when in fact most of the the issues around security in a virtualized environment come not from a VM Escape, but come simply from uh, all 25 of your IT admins having the same root password uh, or misconfiguration. Those are your <laughs> biggest threats. No, that, never, right? that never happens. No, we don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we write all the root passwords on a, in, on a whiteboard in a locked room. Well, who has the keys to that whiteboard? Oh, the cleaning people. <laughs> you know? Um, I, I see this stuff all the time. So the pwn-to-own uh, thing was a... That was a contest that was run where um, hacking teams would um, hold on to, you know, uh, information that they had. They would demonstrate a, um, a hack or, or, or an exploit, and then they would, as part of that, they would be paid, and then the exploit and all, all the data around it would never go public. It would be handed to the vendor. And this happens all the time. You know, every year they're doing another pwn-to-own type of thing, and it's great. It's really, really interesting. We always have at least one or two engineers there to monitor everything, making sure everything's on the up and up, that it's not kind of, you know, uh, uh, non-real. 
and uh, 2017 was was no different. And there was an exploit that was found in workstation infusion. And out of an abundance of caution, we went through and uh, we didn't think it would be an exploit on, on ESX, but we wanted to make sure. And within, I think, probably 72 hours of, of the announcement, we had patches out for all of the releases, uh, ESX, Workstation, and Fusion. And but even though there wasn't there was an attack on this, it wasn't a response to attack, it was just a response to something that we, we have identified. Right. So one of the things I try to get people try to get people to understand is there's an there's a difference between um, oh look I've broken out of the virtual machine I'm now at the hypervisor level and oh now I can actually go do stuff I can run code or I can craft an exploit to take advantage of something and most of the the uh, the VM escapee type stuff usually happens on um, other hypervisors, like you know, like the open source hypervisors, because everyone has the sources, right? Well, that's a bit of security by obscurity. What we have are dedicated teams working on this, like literally night and day, and it, we have a very different kernel than your typical Linux kernel. So even though people log into a Bash shell when they get into the console mode, it's really right. just a BusyBox shell. And it's, a, it's not a Linux kernel underneath. So anyway, um, out of an abundance of caution, we release patches that tightens down stuff. And then in 6.5, we've made some changes architecturally uh, to even further mitigate any sort of threat uh, going forward. Now, the, the other key thing to understand here is that the threat landscape is constantly evolving, right? Constantly evolving. There's always new threats coming out. And we, consequently, are constantly evolving our security architecture at the hypervisor level and elsewhere. And one of the things we added in 6.5 is this concept called a virtual machine sandbox. And what that means is that the the process that's running on the hypervisor that runs the virtual machine, that virtual machine is now running in a, a sandbox environment, and that sandbox has a defined set of rules as to what that virtual machine can do. So if there was an exploit on the operating system, and remember, you have, in order to make these things happen, you have to root the virtual machine, install drivers, and then start poking around into, a, uh, um, in, into the, what's called the VMX process that is running the virtual machine, which, by the way, is not running in ring zero. It's running in user space at ring three. Um, hmm. You get down to the VMX process, and at that stage, you're trying to craft something that will say maybe retrieve the Etsy shadow file from ESX, right? In right. 6.5, files like that are forbidden from that process being able to be accessed. Ah. Uh, right. right? You, yeah, can't call, uh, a, you can't call a system call 
that isn't on the whitelisted list of system calls in the configuration file for VM sandboxing. Gotcha. Right. So, it the 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 whole thing around VM Escape, while it's absolutely fascinating technically, it takes so much alignment of um, of, of things to go right for you to get to the stage where you may be able to do something. It, it's not at the script kitty level. We're talking like the nation state level type stuff that have the resources to, to try that. And the biggest, most effective thing you can do is patch. Right. 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 I mean, this is no different than the whole WannaCry thing. If you think, well, my uptime on my ESX servers is awesome. I've got, it's now running 1,400 days without reboot. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Right? You well haven't patched. gotten all, any security patches in three years. I can't help you. If your security team starts coming at me saying, what about VM Escape? Oh, my God. And I turn around and say, but you've been up for 1,400 days? That, you know, that thing probably it's has your house in the water. It, right? It's probably been attacked already. It's probably been broken. It's pro yeah. Yeah, that's right. interesting. We used so to brag that's, about that's that. That's why the iOS is up and then, for this And long. then I'll get you know people saying, well, if I apply the hardening guide, am I safe? No. That's not what the hardening guide's about. Right? It's really not what the hardening guide's about. Right. If you're if you're following a if you're following a hardening script, then that's no different from following a like a cracking script. Right. You you have no knowledge and you don't have any understanding of what's going on. You really need to escalate elevate the conversation. Right. Right. And that's what I've been trying to do is to take to get the whole compliance thing off the table by if we can you know, secure everything as much as possible by default and help people understand that, you know, um, okay, we've done our part for securing the product by default as much as possible, but, you know, today's guide, 65% of it's on you. Going forward, I expect that to be like 90-something percent is on you to ensure that settings haven't been changed that shouldn't be changed, or if they are changed, they're documented and part of your security hygiene process. That's right. the only way you're gonna be able to do security at scale. So ideally, I would love to see this concept of a hardening guide or security configuration guide go away, but my first step is to make it less about hardening because I, you know, we're doing all of our work to make that as much as possible go away and change it really more into security configuration, which is really on the onus of the customer because the vast majority of that, those settings are site-specific settings. And no, I'm not trying to get rid of my own job. <laughs> I've got... <laughs> I've got more, there's a the thing in chat saying, are you trying to get rid of your own job, Mike? No, the hardening guide is not my full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can move hardening guide off your plate or, you know, 
have it take up so much less of your time than, you know, maybe I would, more value added. Stuff. I would much rather be working on things, uh, uh, you know, like what we just talked about of changing the whole discussion around security, uh, uh, making, getting changes into the product that then enable downstream security partners to be able to take advantage of. Hmm. That makes sense. Right. Can I ask you about uh, so, yeah, the whole, with the whole logging because that thing, seems to be, it may not be, it, yeah, with the whole logging thing, it may not be VMware that creates all of that automation and everything else. That might be a third party partner. I'm, I really don't care who does it so long as someone does it and can make a, make a living out of it. Right. Right. Create the space for tools. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I was going to ask um, whether Secure Boot, which is a, a new feature in 6.5, um, has any uh, any presence in this uh, security configuration guide. Uh, no. Um, the, the, the guide in 6.0 was um, separated out into uh, things like um, things I can control programmatically is what became the guide in 6.0. And then all of right. the other stuff, like you should air gap your networks and so on and so forth, became um, operational guidance. And all of that stuff got moved to the documentation. Uh, because there's multiple ways to, quote unquote, air gap your environment, depending on your environment. Um, I right. can't tell you you have to run separate physical networks because your, secure, your uh, network team might say, we don't have enough ports on the switch. Right? And then... <laughs> I actually had this happen, and you know, some guy says I won't be able to buy a new switch for nine months, and my security team saying I have to air gap everything, and I said that's not the point of the guide. It's there to, you know, bring up uh, the the threat, right? Anyway, right. Um, so secure boot kind of falls into that sort of thing. Ideally, you want, and, and then the other thing is, is then how do you do attestation between of whether secure boots enabled between a all the different um, 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 vendors systems, right? right. You would have right. to you'd have to run something on the ESX server to get back is secure boot turned on, but then that's that's attestation at the hypervisor level. Ideally, what you want from a security standpoint is attestation at the hardware level, that everything is still valid. That's kind of that whole TPM, TXT type of story. Got it. So okay. I, for, for 6.5, I kind of left that out. Uh, just to kind of quickly reiterate, uh, if you enable secure boot uh, in 6.5, then what happens is, is that um, the bootloader is signed with a certificate that it chains to the certificate that is in the firmware. It's not a VMware cert, it's a, I think it's a Microsoft cert. So the UEFI firmware validates the bootloader. Then the bootloader validates the kernel. Then the kernel runs a secure boot verifier which validates every VIB and every VIB is digitally signed. And so with all of that, um, you have cryptographic assurance that all binaries running on your ESX server are digitally signed. That's a, that's a chain of interest and train of tr 
trust there, and chain of trust um, down to the firm. Having yeah, having the vibs be at the very end of that because that's the thing that right. seems a little bit now that doesn't requ that doesn't require a TPM. Uh, that's just the function of secure boot, and then how we validate all of the the, uh, the whole chain. When you start getting into TPM and uh, TXT, which is Intel's trusted execution environment, eventually, uh, eventually, uh, the goal would be that with trusted execution environment um, support, you would be able to have the hardware validate. The hardware would have value. When secure boots turned on, it would have a value, and then the operating system, ESX in this case, would have a value. And all of those values, if anyone, any one of those things was changed, like someone disabled secure boot, that value would change and then would be able to be reported without having to go to ESX. Okay, that makes sense. Right, so now that's, you're that's doing nice, what's called a nice remote attestation. All right, because we're almost at the top of the hour, uh, I see an interesting question in chat that I thought I would throw out. You can just give a 20-second answer to this one. Our, uh, VBish mentions, are there are other appliances in the ecosystem, VROPs, log insight, et cetera, going through a similar hardening process? I think that's an interesting question. That is so interesting. Our, yeah, everyone seems, everyone, everyone, everyone seems to think that I'm like Mr. VMware Hardening Guide. Uh, no, I'm, I'm vSphere. Um, each one of those guys have their own processes for, um, for hardening and for management and such. Uh, that's a question you would have to ask them. There's kind of no, um, there's kind of no uber hardening czar office. Uh, the closest you okay. could probably get to that would be um, uh, the the security team, uh, and yeah. they are looking at that. But um, you know, these things do take time to get done. So, yeah, there's definitely somebody in the office of the CTO who yeah at, who's in at, at the real Tom Corn. So Tom Corn, I know, spends a little bit of time you know looking yeah. at all of the security policy across you know and vision as well. So I know they have people working on some of that. Yeah. I actually used um, to work for Tom when I worked at RSA. Right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yep. He's a, he's a great guy at the Real Tom Corner. We had him on the show. Um, so other thing, Mike, how do people follow you? Uh, do you have a Twitter account? Do you, do you blog? Um, obviously, the Hardening Guide. Uh, what is your Twitter handle? Well, my personal Twitter handle is at Mike Foley. And uh, fair warning, it may not have all just VMware stuff. If you want just VMware security stuff, then at vSphere security would probably be the better one to follow. I always wonder about myself just as a social media, like, do I ever want to say anything personal on my Twitter account? I, I eventually just called myself Eric and I pro for professional. Like, no, I'm not going to say anything other than what's professional. And if you want to go follow me somewhere else, you have to figure out what my real personal account is. Right? So, Right. Yeah, okay, so I mean, I, Mike I, Foley and then vSphere Security, at vSphere Security. Perfect. Yeah, that, that would be the, um, the at vSphere Security would be the curated version of at Mike Foley. All right, perfect. Well, hey, it's, it's great. I know we tried to get you on, and you were in the room 
last week, and then we we had that we were we were talk shooed. We, we used uh, <laughs> yeah, talk shoe happens. Right? It, it does, and we we did figure out what was wrong with that. So I appreciate you doing it again and coming back on the show twice in a row, and this time it actually worked out. So we're happy about that. Um, the Hardening Guide blog blogs.vmware.com, uh, vSphere 2017-04, vSphere 6.5 security configuration guide dash hardening guide release dash candidate HTML. Just go Google that and go find the, the guide and spend time there. <laughs> uh, definitely worth reading. Yeah, and really and nice, to your point that I don't think I answered earlier around the PowerShell script, uh, one of the members of the community has been working on one, Steve Kaplan, and uh, he does have one up on GitHub. I just can't find the the address, but uh, uh, if I do, I'll I'll put it out uh, on my on both of my Twitter accounts. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I know we, we get a lot of a big power CLI following. A lot of people use it, and that that I think is an interesting thing. Automate all the things. Right. Yep. Okay, we we got two more minutes. Anybody else on the call or in chat want to ask one last question before we let Mike? Go off and make sure if you're in the Eastern Seaboard, Boston UserCon, Mike's going to be there. Meet him in person. Awesome. All right, Mike. No one wants to. No one wants to throw another one at you. So I think we're at the top of the hour. Thanks a lot for being on the show. We appreciate it, and um, you know we'll follow you and see where we're going, and have you come back again when things things need an update. Six dot X. Alrighty. Seven dot X. Good. Thanks so much for having me. When we when we need it when we when we need a patch applied. <laughs> All right, Mike. Talk to you later. Or your security else? guy talked off the Thanks. ledge. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we need to put a quarter in the cup, right? Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on here. Thanks everybody for joining. A nice, nice flow in the chat. Appreciate it. And we'll be here again next week, Wednesday, twelve noon PDT. We're going to have um, – who are we going to have on? I don't know if Tommy's here. It is – I already said who it's going to be. Bill Roth. We're going to talk about the acquisition of Wavefront. Exciting. I want to know what it is. Yeah, me too. I kind of have some idea. So cool stuff. All right, John, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to hit the big red stop button now. <laughs>